0: Bose is the presenting partner of Beyond the Grid. That's because Bose QuietComfort 35.2 goes beyond what you would expect from a pair of headphones. Just flip the switch to experience the industry-leading active noise reduction feature and all distractions of the world around you fade away, allowing you to focus fully on what matters to you.
1: Hi, I'm Pierre Gasly. You're listening to Beyond the Grid.
0: Hi F1 fans, it's TC here with another episode of Beyond the Grid. Now this week's guest is a bit of a young'un, but just because he's young, it doesn't mean he doesn't have a very interesting tale to tell. At the age of just 22, he exudes the kind of maturity and experience of someone much older, which is a good thing because he's about to hit the big time. After a season and a bit of dazzling drives with Toro Rosso, he's set to leapfrog up the order next year when he joins Red Bull Racing as teammate to none other than Max Verstappen. Yes, I'm talking, of course, about Pierre Gasly. Pierre comes from good racing stock, as befits someone from Rouen, the former home of the French Grand Prix. He has an impeccable CV from the junior formulas, which includes championship glory in GP2 and a near title winning season in Super Formula in Japan. Those kinds of credentials are just one of the reasons why his intra-team battle with friend and former karting foe Verstappen will be unmissable in 2019. We caught up for a at Pierre's hotel in Russia. And that impending rivalry with Max was just one of the subjects we discussed. He's courteous, he's engaging, and he's an excellent storyteller. I hope you enjoy. Pierre, welcome to Beyond the Grid. It's great to have you with us. You've been a Formula One driver for pretty much 12 months now.
1: Exactly. I think it's a one year anniversary now. I started in, in Malaysia last year. A lot's happened. A lot's a lot's happened in the last uh, in the last 12 months for me. It's been a an amazing uh, year, the best so far in my career, and I've never never felt uh, as happy as I am now. So yeah, pretty pretty crazy, intensive, but uh, amazing uh, um, last few months.
0: You know how, as a kid, you have all these hopes and ambitions of I want to get to Formula One. Has it lived up to expectations so far? Just Formula One, everything about it.
1: I will say. Clearly and and almost even better than than I thought. Um, yeah, of course. When I was a dream, I started to. My family was involved in motorsport, but first of all, they were big uh, big fans and, and passionate about Formula One. So uh, since I am born, every weekend my family on the Sunday we had the family dinner, uh, family lunch, and uh, and with the TV on watching the the, the races. So since uh, really little, I started to to watch F one and um and yeah, I dreamed about it uh, straight away you know I was every weekend Michael Schumacher on the top step spraying champagne um and and I tell I told my parents, you know what i I want to be like this guy so yeah, it was a big dream and and yeah to see where I am now compared to a couple years ago it wasn't um so long um, time ago is 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 pretty uh pretty crazy and and yeah it feels it feels mega
0: and have you got used to the idea of being a Red Bull racing driver next year? <laughs>
1: <laughs> not not really um because yeah, of, of course it's something something amazing and, and I know next year is going to be a, a a fantastic season fantastic opportunity for myself and and of course it's it it's massive you know for me of course when I joined Red Bull in in 2013 was my target Long, long-term long target to, to join Red Bull Racing but when I came in Formula 1 12 months ago I, I didn't expect or I didn't think that I will be in that position today um, even though that's what I, I targeted and, and that's what I, I dreamed about um, but I didn't expect it to come so quickly and um, and yeah, I'm just super excited about uh, about that challenge.
0: So when you heard Daniel's news, Ricardo going to Renault, leaving Red Bull Racing, were you straight on the telephone to help Marco? How did uh, it
1: work? What, what? Uh, Actually, yeah. So Elmut was straight on the phone when he got the news. He from rang Daniel. you or you yeah, rang him? He, he rang me. Um, so before just before the news was uh, was out, and he told me, okay, just to let you know, Daniel is out. And at that time, honestly, I was I was shocked because I didn't didn't expect it, didn't believe it in a way. Um, so at the beginning, I actually saw that he was a bit uh, taking the piece out of me, <laughs> and really quickly I understood I understood he was serious. So uh, of course, yeah, my first thought was like, oh, okay, then there might be a you know an opportunity, and and he just told me, okay, enjoy the break. Um, take it easy and, and I will call you back to to let you know uh, our decision in the next couple of days or weeks. Did he give a, you
0: any indication? Nothing, at
1: all? nothing. It just told me, take it easy, enjoy your break and, and I'll call you back. And um, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, you're in summer, you try to disconnect, but it's impossible knowing that there is a, uh, an available uh, seat in the, in the top team. So I've tried to think about something else, just enjoy my time. But of course, every day I was thinking, okay, what are they going to do? Uh, what's uh, what are the options? And I think it was a, a pretty tight fight between Carlos and, and myself, even if uh, potentially there were other candidates and yeah, it just rang me two weeks later to tell me they decided to take me for 2019. So it was uh, yeah, clearly the, the, the best news of my career so far. Uh, but actually it was, uh, it was a bit funny. We were speaking with Max as well. Um, so, so, Max was giving me a bit of uh, insights. Uh, oh, during uh, that two weeks? Yeah, period. during that two weeks, and, and just uh, uh, yeah, giving, giving me some fresh news when, uh, when he got some. So, that uh, no, was, uh, was, of course, a long 10, 10 days, two weeks. And, and when I got the, the phone call from Helmut, I knew it was either positive or, or, or negative. Um, and, and finally, he yeah, just told me, okay. Pierre, you're going to be a Red Bull driver in 2019. Um, so keep pushing and, and prepare yourself the best way possible to to have a great season with us next year.
0: Do you think Max was batting for you? Was he pushing for you to join him, do you think?
1: For sure, we have a like great relationship with Max. We we know things a lot of time. We raced together in karting and we had a lot of battles and I think... Of course, today we have got a, um, a really strong uh, relationship and friendly uh, in a way. So we've got a lot of respect and and yeah, we should ask him. But I think for sure um, it was it wasn't again the fact that I will I will be uh, I will be his teammate. That's uh, that's clear. But then after for more details, I think that the best one to answer will be uh, will be himself. Do
0: you think there was one performance that stood out? and sort of got you the do you think Bahrain for example that fourth place was that the thing that clinched it for you
1: I think Bahrain was really good to show that I'm I'm able to deliver um, the best performance of the car and and to really make the the best out of the package we give me so it was my my second uh, race this year for my first full complete season and and was great to show uh, that I'm able to to handle the pressure and go and go until the end and even for myself I think was the best way to start to start the season in in Formula One so I think this was positive Monaco first Monaco GP and going to into q3 and, and finish in seventh position was great and just before the break to finish on uh, in sixth position in Budapest uh, best of the rest I think was clearly uh, clearly something positive and and probably helped uh, the the final decision that Red Bull uh, have taken. Talk to me about Honda, because do you think you'll have an
0: advantage having raced with Honda throughout this year?
1: To be fair, in terms of driving, I, I know a lot of people uh, talk about it, but at such a level, I think, you know, max after five, maximum six laps, will get used to it. In terms of feeling, you know, the response you get inside the car, the way you um, the drivability, all the things, uh, when when you're such a driver in Formula One, you don't uh, need much time to, to get used to, to, to that feeling. So I think it's more the way that I've learned how to communicate, how to work with them with a the different culture. Japanese are really different than, than the, the culture in Europe and the way they work, the way they behave, the way they, they communicate is slightly different and you need to get used to it. So I think this is clearly an advantage after Inside the car, purely in terms of driving, I don't expect him to take more than than five or six laps Uh, to to get used (laughs) to it.
0: I wasn't actually talking about the performance side of it. I think you hit the nail on the head. Honda have a history of just doing things a bit differently, don't they? And, I mean, Fernando Alonso, I think he's proven that you can't Take them head on like that. You've got to work with them, haven't you? And is that something you learned in Super Formula? Exactly. And of course, this year as well.
1: Yeah, and for me, Super Formula in the end was um, was a great year. First on the, of course, on the sports side. I mean, the series itself was was mega, but also on the personal side, just as a, as a person, I've learned a lot about their culture. They have a lot of respect, and you need to you need really need to understand it when you work with Japanese. It's all about respect. So you can't tell them they do something bad or they, they do something in the wrong way. You need to really be, explain it and, and, and find a way uh, and, and lead, lead them where you, you, you want them to go. But um, you can't be as straightforward as you can be, for example, in Europe with English, French or French or Italian. You, you really need to um, be, be objective with them and, and find a nice way to, to, to tell them things. So for sure, when you go head to head with them, uh, usually it turns out uh, in, a, in, a, in a pretty bad way. How long did it take you?
0: That's pretty smart of you, Pierre. How long did it take you to work that out? Because I look at your super formula season, started quite slow and then yeah. bam, something happened. Is it, does that coincide with you working uh, out how to get the best out of it?
1: Mm. Probably a little bit, because for sure, I've learned it through the season. Um, I would say it was more about the car, getting the, the, the learning or to, to set it up properly for, for myself. It was a pretty big change compared to GP2. Um, but clearly, I've read books before. You know, the first time I went in Japan, I went uh, in a country 10,000 kilometers away from my home by myself. And I was going to meet people that I had no idea... Uh, who they were and, and it was completely like a new life for me. so it was a lot of new things to learn. And I've read books about Japanese culture for Christmas. My family bought me uh, like tons of Japanese uh, things just to learn about the culture and, and, and get used to it. And that's one point I understood. but of course through the season, I've changed my way of working with them. Um, and, and less uh, vocal thing, but more like writing things on paper, just to make sure that we understood the same uh, informations and drawing things, for example, because of course in Japan, in Super Formula, and we were probably 30 in my team, my engineer, my race engineer was the only one uh, who could communicate with me. And then after I had a translator to speak with other people inside the team, which makes it really tough because we had meeting. Uh, meetings with team manager, engineers, five six people, all in Japanese, with a translator translating things to myself, me answering in English, and the guy had to translate. But like technical uh, feedback, so really tricky to make sure that everyone understood the same uh, information. So in the end, I was writing everything on paper just to to make sure we uh, was clear between us. And I understood that it was better to repeat things two three four times, even if they will say yes. That it's a it's a it's a country and they have a culture where they they can't get into conflicts, so they will never say no to you. So so even if they disagree, they'll always say yes. But you need to understand with body language when it's a, a true yes or when it's a yes but they they don't really uh, agree with you, um, or they didn't really get the information you're trying to to give them. So all these things I've learned it with a with the week spending time there and just learning about how they behave and, and how they work. Yeah. Did you feel very isolated when you were in Japan? So, yeah, I had... Homesick? Not really, because in the end I've enjoyed it so much, you know, like just in terms of everything is so clean. People were welcome, welcome, welcome me in the best possible way. Uh, Try to make my life as easy as possible because it was a big change and... And in the end, I've really enjoyed my time there. Um, I had one of my best friends who studied in Japan at the same time, so I was kind of um, hanging out with um, with him. And uh, and in the end, the people I really built a strong relationship with the, with the people and inside the team, and the people I worked with with Red Bull Japan as well. That actually my last race when I left and was a pretty tough last one because was cancelled due to the typhoon and. Lost the title for for half a point, so it was probably the the most difficult thing to swallow of the season. But I was actually pretty sad to leave them, and after all the things they have done, uh, they have done to me to 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 make my move as easy, as easiest as possible. Um, I really felt like when I had to leave that it was a, a pretty difficult uh, way to say goodbye, and and maybe not to. Uh, ever see these people uh, again. That really did. Uh, they gave everything there to make my time um, as yeah most comfortable as possible. Where did you live when you were out there? So I went there for the races, but most of the time I tried to spend around ten days uh, just to get used with the jet lag, with the uh, with the country, spend time with the with the team. So I didn't have. I was always staying in uh, hotels, um, which sometimes can be pretty funny because in Japan, they they don't have the same hotel than we have. You can have like really small one, everything compacted all together. They have a strange way to, uh, strange pillows i don't know if you have ever tried oh, the have... bead pillows exactly they're so not <laughs> pillows <man>. Those <laughs> so are not you've pillows. got one soft side and <laughs> yes. another side with, with like full of bills inside so if i so. could tell you
0: the number of nights i've spent in japan putting the bead pillow to one side and yeah. <laughs> folding up all my dirty shirts and using those as
1: a pillow. <laughs> yeah I, I, I ended up doing the same thing but uh, yeah it's a lot of, of different things you know the funny one is the toilet is so low for example because japanese people are quite short usually so the side of the toilets is different, and it's all electronics. You have like tons of buttons of uh, on the side, and and um, yeah, most of the time I had the feet out of the bed because same the side of the beds are much smaller than. You're are not living. that tall, aren't you? Yeah. and nice. I'm not that tall, so <laughs> so, so no, honestly, it was a, a lot of uh, different things, but yeah, I really enjoyed it because uh, you are so far from everything, you know, I was disconnected from. Um, from this European environment and um, and I think I've learned a lot and so grown up a lot um, just as a as, as a person which was for mm. me uh, uh, I think great just for, for myself.
0: What did you do tell me what you do of an evening when you were racing at Fuji what's the name of <laughs> what's the name of the town near, near <laughs> Fuji um um, I, I can't remember where we used to stay there for the Grand Prix but, but there's not much around there if, there's not if memory much serves.
1: exactly so yeah I, I had my trainer there um, and either I will stay with the team with my translator and, and just um, I had an amazing translator, Japanese translator who travelled a bit around the world and went in America in Europe and, and Japan and uh, yeah it was, I think it was a key key person there it just made my my time there so much better um, and yeah, just enjoy the evenings with, with him, my trainer, a couple of other drivers. They were uh, Lotherer, Andre Lothere, um who were there at the same time. Nick Cassidy and Martin Boros just try to, to, to hang out a bit with, uh, with these people. And, and honestly, the, the funny thing in, in, in Japan is wherever you go, you're always surprised in a good way. So well, it was just about discovering the country, taking the car, drive for 20 minutes somewhere and, and end up in a in a village uh, which look really strange and then go in the first uh, restaurant and finally you find out that the food is just amazing wherever you go so that was just about discovering the country and um, and yeah try to to enjoy as much as I could
0: you strike me as a cup half full kind of guy is that is that fair assessment what? there's a positivity about you that isn't the case with every driver in Formula One, certainly.
1: I'm quite, um, yeah, I always look at things in a positive way and, and always try to, in a way, turn the negati- negative thing in positive energy um, because, yeah, I'm someone who like to, to enjoy life and um, I'm pretty easy going. Um, I have really strong motivation and, and I think for me, in my mind, it's really clear what, what I want to achieve. Um, and that's why I always try to turn all the things around me in a positive uh, into positive energy, uh, to give me even more um, yeah motivation, um, dedication um, to um, to achieve what I want. So, you remind me of Daniel Ricardo in many ways. That's a compliment. <laughs> I pro- I pro- yeah. He's 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 fun. <laughs> yeah, probably my smile is not as big as his one, but <laughs> <laughs> just your outlook is, is yeah. quite similar.
0: So you've come a long way from uh, Rouen. Yeah. Now. Listeners uh, of this podcast who know their history of Formula One will know that there were five Grand Prix, French Grand Prix at Rouen between 1952 and 68, I think. Um, Go on, how many times did you drive that Rouen track in your youth?
1: Hey, so the thing is, uh, is now it's closed. Uh, there's one part of the track where you you, you can't go anymore. Um, and uh, and yeah, I passed it many times because there is an highway right next to the this track. So um, yeah, most of the time I was with my dad, and he used to tell me stories about this track and that he um, he had the chance to drive there with some Ferraris in the past, and that's it was a. Uh, uh, a man proper proper men track because it was uh, one of the most dangerous. Um, there were unfortunately many accidents, but you really had to to have, as we could say, big balls to be fast uh, on that track, like in 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 the old school track. So, um, actually, I, I did drive there uh, recently that year. Someone wanted to make a, a documentary about uh, that track, Juan Les Eaux. And he took me there with a the car. We managed to open all the roads, um, not all of them, but a part of the track, and uh, and just to go uh, through these really fast chicanes. I don't know if, if you remember the the layout, but you had a uh, like downhill with. going to uh, say, there
0: was a very steep climb at one point. And on su- the yeah, on the super fast.
1: Yeah, super fast, and there was also like a, a massive downhill, uh, yeah. really fast chicanes, and just. Unbelievable to imagine that guys were going at, at that time was uh, was like basically literally bomb on four wheels because as soon as they will crash the the car will uh, explode and just to imagine that they were going there I don't know 250 uh, down this uh, this airplane um, yeah, I was when I when I drove on there I was just massively impressed. And I had the chance to try it in the simulator as well. But of course, it's, it's different, but just give you an idea of, yeah, how well, unsafe and all crazy. In the Red, in the Red Bull simulator? What
0: simulator is it?
1: Um, so, no, actually, it was just a simulator. Oh, just remember. a thing you had at home or something? Exactly. Oh, sort right. of uh, Air Factor uh, simulation. But just, yeah, it gave me a good idea of, of the of the track layout and just to imagine. It. I saw some footage from the past, Um Unfortunately, we lost uh, like uh, uh, French, uh, really famous French driver there, and um, and yeah, it was uh, like it's a pretty big shame that they didn't manage to keep the track open. Um, because like a lot of people pushed hard to to, to keep it uh, open even without racing, but just to have it available um, in case you want to yeah just enjoy like the 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 Nurburgring for example, but they didn't manage to uh, uh, to do it in the end.
0: So Rouen, okay, there is a link to motor racing there. But are, are you from a a, a a racing family? Is that fair? Just tell us a little bit about where this passion for driving came from. Mum,
1: dad. Clearly, uh, yeah, clearly, it's uh, in in my DNA because my grandfather used to race um, in karting. Was a massive fan of of fast cars um, and and fast driving as well. When at the time it was still possible to go <laughs> fast on the roads, um, and I did. Unfortunately, I didn't have the chance to to know him, um, but I, I I knew my my um, grandmother who was a go kart champion as well. So that's pretty. Uh,
0: and was uh, grandfather a champion as well? So they were both so, champions.
1: So yeah, he probably won a couple of races. I don't know if he was wasn't like a super high level, but he just loved uh, racing in general. But my grandmother became uh like karting champion, uh, regional champion um, at the time, and um, and yeah, of course, my father is a, is a massive fan of of motorsport. He used to race in in karting. He did some um, rally as well. Um, some endurance races was French champion. Your dad Yeah my dad, yeah. So only like national national level. But um, yeah it was still it was a fast uh, was a fast driver. And um, yeah I did some rally rally stages for, for a couple of years and uh, yeah it just stopped after after I'm born he had a, a pretty uh, big crash um, yeah on the on the state but his co-pilot turned two pages at the same time. Yeah. And just told him uh, flat out, uh, left in fifth gear and was actually an airplane in second, and was a, a mountain uh, stage. So uh, yeah, the, a pretty big crash. Uh, luckily, uh, was alive in the end and, and was safe. But uh, yeah, it was uh, the point he decided to stop uh, to stop racing. I have a pretty big family with four brothers, all uh, older. And um, and three of them raced in karting. So since yeah, since I'm really little, uh, two years old, my mom used to bring me to the track to support uh, all my brothers. And um, and yeah, I wanted to to try, of course. You've got four brothers.
0: How did mum and dad have time for you? I've,
1: <laughs> I've got three children, and they just dominate. So, I can't so imagine. So they are them like two more. I call them brothers because for myself, <laughs> it is my family. They are both uh, all four uh, step brothers. Um, two from my mom and two from my dad. And, and they, they made me a bit later. So my younger brother is, is nine years older than me. So uh, there, there is a little gap which I think was really um, positive for myself because when I, I grew up, they were much older than me and it kind of built my my mental um, character, I will say. Um, and, and, you know, it was really positive because the, they showed me all the mistakes that I should avoid in my life, so uh, it's been no, it's been fantastic, and we all have a, a fantastic relationship Do all know, together.
0: Yeah, so. not only that, but there is a statistic, and I it's something that the, the percentage the last one is
1: always the best one. Yes, <laughs> no, no, but Pierre, this is true.
0: This is exact. I've had this conversation with Jensen Button because the youngest child you start doing things at a much earlier age than your older siblings because they play with you in the garden and do whatever else and and therefore you just develop faster and that's why I
1: I saw them as well like of course as a little brother you look uh, up a lot to your older ones and you look at what they do and and at that time I mean since I'm two years old three of them raised in karting and I loved it. I, I wanted to do mechanic uh, on the cart and I wanted to help them to be fast and to be uh, successful. And, and then after just in general in the life, I always um, looked up at, at my brothers um, and really, really in a, in a proud way. Um, and, and they taught me a lot. So we had a lot of fights because they didn't want to play with me Mario Kart because I always used to beat them. I am going to say, you must have been a really annoying <laughs> yeah. younger brother. Right? <laughs> I, always, I always, But since really little, I, I always had this really competitive mindset and um, whatever thing I do, I always want to, to win it. If I do it, it's to be the best. and. I always want to play with them, but they, they, they got fed up at some point that I always took things so in a competitive way. And um, and as soon as I started to, to beat them, they, they just uh, got uh, upset. But no, it was, it was really funny. I really enjoyed my time and they were also really good support for myself when I, I started karting, single-seater and, and also now at the level I am, because they are a big fan of racing and, and they know what it's all about, you know, about the work the passion and they really supported me uh since since my beginning i started in karting so uh, they, do, do
0: they come to races now
1: they come now so so of course it's difficult because they all have a job uh, so so i think we are any get of them involved together. in racing not or not no. anymore no. um so they understood that at some point <laughs> <laughs> they were not uh, made to to be professional race car driver they still drive karts pretty fast but um no they all have a job and No, actually, it's great. I had them all in um, for the first time all together in a race for my title in uh, GP2 uh, when I got uh, the, the GP2 championship and uh, and then after they came uh, actually all together in Abu Dhabi as well last year. So no, we, we do spend uh, a lot of good times together. But then, of course, I mean, with uh, different commitments for all of them, it's difficult to uh, um, just bring them all at the same time. But yeah, they do come uh, sometimes being asked for passes the whole
0: time (laughs) what else are you good at because I mean I've heard football and or was it always racing for you or was there other options so
1: yeah actually I've been always big big fan of sport in general and I started with uh, ice hockey uh, when I was three years old Um, I did it for two years Then, I I don't know, I had a bit of a fight with my, uh, at the time, the the trainer. I wasn't a big fan of the trainer and then I felt like, yeah, it wasn't really my thing. So I stopped at five, I started football and uh, yeah, just loved it so much. I'm still a a massive, massive fan of football and I I did play from five till 11 years old. So uh, I started my first, yeah, my first time in go-kart at six. Um, and then after I just kept going, doing the, doing both, um, both of them at the same time. And, um, yeah, I love them both, but I just felt the first time I I jumped in a go-kart, I say, okay, that's, that's what I want to do in my life. That's racing, driving. Um, I just loved it so much and, um, played football at, I was in the first team in my club, in my, in the, in the place I live. And, um, yeah, one weekend because I missed all the training to go karting, uh, which was my, my favorite thing. Um, I came on Sunday to the game and they told me, "Okay, Pierre, you missed uh, too many practice training, um, so we're gonna we we're gonna put you in the B team this weekend." And I say, "Guys, you know what? It's my time to stop. I, can, I cannot do the both things at the um, at the top, and um, yeah, I need to make a decision." And I say, "Okay." just want to focus on racing now and, and just yeah give my best and make sure I put all my chances on my side
0: so what position at
1: football were you so I was on the midfield on the right side um, running exactly running a lot so yeah. actually which was fantastic because it built me a good uh, physical condition mm. I was uh, yeah, running uh, for the attack coming back uh, for, for the defence so I think it was really good as well, also the, the spirit. You know, it's a um, team spirit, team sport, and um, just know how to play with the others and, and really a real, uh, real good relationship with all the other players. So um, in some ways, it's similar to F1 because in F1, it's not individual sport. It's uh, much more team sport than, than people could think. Um, and I think in the end, it was a, a really uh, positive experience. So
0: at what point then did you meet Esteban Ocon? So because I met. read that you you were mates and you did loads together. Yeah,
1: no, honestly, the story with Esteban is 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 so long, like uh could speak about it for hours. But um, so basically, it started um, that that his father bought the cart uh, of one of my brother for Esteban. We had one chassis at home that he bought, and that's how they first they first met. And I started karting um, with the same um engine uh, preparator than had at the time so started to go karting and then we started to go on the same track so but you you live near each other then yeah like 30 minutes away okay, from each right. other and uh, and we used to train on the same track and and we used to of course we were seven at the time. And, and, and of course, we used to spend so much time together, train uh, to the same track, going on weekends together. We used to come at home many times and same for, for myself. We uh, went to his place. I even remember times that in the winter, there were nobody coming to uh, to our racetrack, which was uh, Anvil-en-Bonville, 30 minutes from where I live. We were the only one there snowing like hell and we were going for like three, four laps coming back when our uh, hands were completely freezing and going in the truck, back of the truck with the, with the heater just to get warm for 15 minutes. And then after going back on track for five of the laps. With uh, the slick tires on and, and just driving on the uh, on the snow, and um, no, honestly, we we did spend like some some fantastic uh, fantastic time together, and like I think brothers. It, like brothers, or yeah, almost like like brothers, because honestly, you know, at the time when you are young, you just need to 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 drive all the time. So we used to to go on Wednesday, <laughs> on Saturday, on Sunday, um, and all the time together. And I think in the end it was really good because it really pushed us massively. You know, we both have a really competitive mindset and and we uh, of course we were uh, really friends at the time and um and we really wanted to beat each other so i think it was uh, the best thing which uh, which could have happened to us um to really push us and 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 give us all the energy to try to beat each other and in the end it uh, raised uh, our, both our our level
0: so how's the relationship now you're both in formula 1 <laughs> I mean, I've heard a few radio messages from both of you this year. And, like, hey, what did you say after lap one at the French Grand Prix this year when you, <laughs> when you crashed
1: into each other? I don't know, but it was massive disappointment. And, um, yeah, of course, it was, uh, it was yeah, a terrible moment in, uh, in in France. I mean, the relationship, unfortunately, got um, got yeah a lot worse at some point in karting where when we started to fight for the for the world cup european championship and and also national championship and um, I really remember one one weekend the world cup in uh, in 2010 um, in Portugal that he uh, yeah, literally cut the track uh, one corner cut in the grass and eat me uh, in the last hit before the, the the pre-final because I was going to start I think second or third and Thing. I didn't um, didn't really like it and just yeah pushed me off the track spun me and um, and we finished it I don't know 20s and 21 or something like this so I had to start the pre-final much uh, more on the back than I was supposed to and then yeah just at that time we were, um, probably used to, to focus a lot on, on on myself we used to not go uh, training together anymore um, and um, and then yeah, it was uh, actually it wasn't the first time when he started to, to go a bit worse. Uh, it was a Bridgestone Cup in 2009 and, and, uh, nine actually one race in Mer that uh, started last in final. I didn't my engine didn't start in pre final, and um, yeah, I overtook him in the last corner of the last lap for the third position, and uh, we had a bit of a contact. A uh, little contact and finish third, finish fourth, and uh, yeah, from that race started to 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 go bad. And then after um, the, the the years went down, uh, we found each other in Formula Renault two liters. We had many battles. Started the first race, bouncing each other, touching wheels, and 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 with smoking wheels uh, all the race and. Uh, and yeah, it was was just a big fight, but I tried to on my side. I tried to to keep the relationship as good as I could. I came um, to see him a couple of times to say, okay, like just just stop these these stupid things uh, we are doing, and you know, like now we are in European Championship or even World Championship in other different series, and just do your thing. I do my thing. We at the time it was with Gravity as well, the Renault program. I was with Red Bull, and says. So Better to focus uh, both on our own careers and try to make the best out of it. And I, I think it wasn't really, um, never really show me wanted to to keep the relationship in a in a good way. So after that we Do, stopped. You, talk? Do you talk? Yeah, I mean we, we can't speak, but everything out of racing, I think so. <laughs> does it so, is, does
0: it make you a bit sad that I think you've someone you've known all your life. You can't yeah. separate the job. And the I, mean,
1: uh, I, I The thing is, I'm trying, to, even, I'm trying to make this story a long story, short story, you know, and, um, and there are many things that happen as well um, that I, I didn't really, really like, uh, sort of, you know, I, I respect all the people that respect me and, and the day you don't respect me, then I lose all my, my respect for, for you as well. So that's a bit how it works. And I've been disappointed uh, more than once. So um so yeah after this point you know many times I, I was waiting apologies from his side and never really came so at some point I said okay then um there is not much not much I can do just focus on myself and I let him let him uh, do 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 what he wants um but um no you know I think in the end we really respect each other as a, as a driver uh, we spent some amazing time together uh, talking like if he was my girlfriend you know <laughs> 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 but no, no, I mean, we, we did spend some, some great time um, together when we were young. And, and I think in the end, it was a positive thing that um, the thing happened to us because it really pushed us so much harder um, to beat each other. And in the end, you know, like uh, it's, it's, it's quite funny to, to see both of us uh, knowing in Formula One. Uh, looking at where we we started and with our truck, not much money, going to to take the the tires uh, at the back of the garage from other guys, and just to see the the way we grew up and and where we are now, is is, just, um, is is just fantastic. So yeah, I think we really respect each other as a as a driver, but unfortunately there is not this uh, this link that we that we had in the past uh, which was, uh, yeah, much, much more, uh, friendly.
0: Does it feel odd that you're going into one of the big three next year and he probably won't have a drive in Formula One?
1: You know, since I'm seven years old, I've always fought with him and I'm sure I'm gonna f- keep fighting with him in the next few years. So, um, no, nah, I think for sure, yes, I think F1 is, is, is pretty tough. Uh, there is a lot of things you need to put together to, um, to 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 get your chance, and and many things are out of the uh, out of your hands uh, as a driver, and um, and this is pretty pretty tough sometimes. I think he's in one of these situations that he's doing his his job, and and things out of his control are not really going his way. Um, so no, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure that. He'll keep pushing and we'll see him back on the grids uh, pretty soon. And I'm sure we'll keep having some, some good <laughs> fights. And actually, I enjoy it in a way. You know, it's, uh, it's great. And, uh, you know, we have a, a good uh, rivalry. And yeah, as long as we, we keep it clean, even if it's difficult sometimes, uh, it's, um, it's the, the most important.
0: That's one friendship that racing has turned a bit sour. Yeah. Do you worry that the same thing might happen between you and Max, for example, next year?
1: Honestly, I didn't really think about it, and um, yeah, as I said earlier, you know, the, the main point is respect, and I think as long as you respect each other, nothing nothing can happen, um, and that's the way I see things. You know, I'm really usually friendly and. Uh, I have many friends like to, to get me into a fight with someone means really the, the person needs to do something something uh, um, disrespectful and um, no I think with Max at the moment we have, we have a strong relationship uh, respect between each other and, and I'm, I'm sure that as long as we keep it clean um, things will, will go well but uh, yeah, I really hope we can, we can keep that uh, friendship that we have now Do you worry a little bit
0: that you're walking into his team next year?
1: My uh, people tend to say this, but uh, I've stopped listening to what people say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it, <laughs> no, I'm just no, asking no. the question. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 I know that you are asking the question, <laughs> but people, that's that's what people tend to say. And it could be true in a way, you know, he's got more experience than me with Red Bull. But I, I do think that as a driver, it's your job as well to make your position inside the team. And with with your character, showing your ambitions, what you want... And um, and that will be my job to 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 make my uh, my position there. So, of course, he's not easy. He's a uh, he's a character. Uh, he's got a lot of support from his management, um, and and he's really talented guy. So uh, by his
0: management, do you mean Helmut, Marco? Not or? really no.
1: Helmut, but you know, he's he, he has a manager. He has okay. his dad right. who was involved in Formula One, and I come yeah. from like a really different family. And the uh, yeah. happiest, probably the uh, the son or uh, kid, and, and really proud of my family. But you know, like my father wasn't a Formula One driver. I don't have any manager. Um, I I came with a lot of support from the federation, and I was lucky enough to have people around me uh, who were really like positive, and and a lot of people helped me to to make my way through. But. At the end of the day, I don't have any manager or people uh, alongside me to to make things moving. You know, I need to make things moving by myself, and um, which is in a way I think a strength because I, I've learned a lot from from that position, and um, it, it also gave me a lot more uh, mental strength. Um, but yeah, Max have some some strong people around him that really take care, uh, good care of him and. Um, I think for, for him, been, his father has been a, a really good help, good support. And Raymond, uh, his manager, also uh, probably made the things a bit easier with the experience he had with Jos. Uh, with of
0: course, they worked together, didn't they,
1: back in the day? Yeah, exactly. They worked years. Which is a pretty amazing story as yeah. well. Yeah.
0: Well, we talked about Esteban, we talked about Max, just driver's parade, typical driver's parade. You're on the bus. Who Who do you chat to? Have you... You know, you've only been in here a year. We're kind of back where we started. But have you made any mates on the grid? Is it possible yeah. to have mates? It seems yeah. quite difficult when you yeah. talk about Ocon.
1: <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, Esteban is is really unfortunately the the, the only one where we didn't manage to keep the the, the re- friendship um, last, and, and and that's a shame. But honestly, with all the other drivers, and mega relationship. Um, mm. I, I get on pretty well with with everyone. I mean. Of course, Red Bull driver Daniel, uh, who is impossible not to to like, um, and yeah, just amazing, amazing guy. Uh, Max, Stoffel, um, also Seb. I get on really well with Seb, and uh, he has been it's been a good help for me as well after my GP2 title. Seb uh, Vettel, we're talking. Yeah, about. Seb Vettel is. Yeah, how, been... how did he help you after GP2? So I just went to see him after GP2 because, of course, I was um, yeah it was pretty difficult, you know, for me winning GP2 championship. Um, and not getting the chance straight in in Formula One and being at the at the wrong uh, good yeah uh, good place but wrong time um, and yeah I just went to see him to see okay what do you think about my situation and how do you see things and what kind of advice you could give me you know and uh, um, we, we we sat down together I remember in Mexico after the after the drivers briefing and. I just, uh, you know, like just super friendly and super nice, um, from him, from himself just to, yeah, tell me his experience with Red Bull and what he thinks, what I should do and the sort of, um, yeah, that advice that a world champion could, uh, could give to a, a younger driver and Did he suggest super now,
0: formula or was it?
1: Yeah, he told me it was, uh, for him was a, was a great, uh, a great chance to, to go uh, abroad and, he was sure that yeah. Just told me like you yeah, just need to keep pushing and, and show them that you don't give up because you know they they keep testing you. Red Bull is a is a program where they keep testing you every day to see how strong you are mentally. Um, Even
0: now you're in Formula One, they're like that. Do you feel?
1: Yeah, they always. They in a way they are of course a bit less in Formula One, but um, they kind of always test you. You know, and uh, and Elmut is like this, and it's Sort of his game as well. So so once you you, you get it, uh, you know to 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 handle things. But that's a bit the way um, that they are with the drivers. And uh, yeah, honestly, it was was great to to catch up with him and even now with the with the position I mean, and I'm gonna be we we Spoke with Seb uh, a bit. And, um, yeah, for me, it's really uh, yeah at the end of the day, is one of my. Um, my idol, I could say, even if it sounds a bit strange, but someone that I looked at when I was younger um, in karting, and um, and even it's great to be Formula One with him now, and 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 we're gonna fight next year. But uh, it's really someone that I, I respect a lot, and that is uh, impressive as a as a person. I think it's really smart and, and really simple, humble as well. And uh, for me, I really enjoy to, to catch up with this, with this kind of guy and, and always learn things from, from their experience. Yeah, same with Lewis, of course, it's a bit more difficult to, to, to catch up during the weekend. But yeah, we did uh, uh, see a couple of times out of the, of the track and same like just the kind of tips uh, this legend of Formula One can give you are, are always always useful. Um, and then after the people more from my generation, so uh, Stoffel, uh, Charles, we know since yeah, more is the same, uh, same age as Esteban, seven years old. So um, all these guys that uh, yeah, we 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 tend to catch up a lot during the the race week. Do you feel a
0: responsibility being you know a French driver in a top team now? Do you feel France hasn't had a world champion yeah. for a while? <laughs>
1: We've been world champion this year though in soccer. So uh, <laughs> That's true. But, but um, no, no yeah for sure they scraping is. the barrel a bit but yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> but um no no for sure actually we were speaking uh, with Elmwood the other day and just yeah remembered that the last uh, win from a French driver was in 96. So uh, from Panis in, in Monaco, so And that was a fluke, let's <laughs> say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sort it's still, rude. he it's still, it's still won it, so <laughs> in the book he's still there. But um yeah, I mean it's been twenty two years and um even if French driver, France in general has been so much involved in Formula One, we didn't really have um, driver. I think Roman Grosjean was Pretty close, couple of times. At the time, he was in Lotus, but it's been so many, so many years that uh, we didn't hear the French anthem on the uh, during a race weekend. So uh, in Formula One, so yeah, hopefully, you know, that's my target. Of course, if I'm in Formula One, as I say, I really um, know what I want to achieve in F1, and if I do this, it's to be world champion one day, and and I'll do everything I can and put all my energy uh, uh, into this uh, into this target because that's something I've said to myself when I was young I said I want to be world champion in Formula 1 and um, you know I'm quite stubborn and when I have something in mind I just do everything I can until I, I make it happen so um, yeah I will do I will do everything I can
0: Alan Prost a
1: legend <laughs> yeah. he's a legend isn't he yeah following his legend superstars. and the the greatest or one of the of the greatest um, F1 driver of, of all time I think he's been so successful, um, and and just the guy, the guy itself is unbelievable. So I had the chance to catch up with him a couple of times, and just the, the way he is uh, makes you makes you no, show shows you the the legend he is. So of course, as a French driver, is uh, one of my uh, one of my idol, and it just stays so simple. You know, you you see him in the paddock, and you can just. Stop him and and speak with him five minutes, and he's really open um, and a great advisor as well. And actually, he's been he's helped me quite a lot over the the last two years. I I used to to phone him as well. I like to take experience and and listen to advices from more more experienced guys or or drivers. And um, as he was in Renault, um, we did call each other a couple of times. Um, so at the time when I was when I wasn't in F1, just so was letting me know uh, a bit of the of the F1 market and Renault was with Toro and and just to try to help me um, with my with my situation in a really uh, really friendly way and uh, yeah I wasn't um, obliged to do it you know it was uh, with Renault I was with Red Bull and uh, and uh, yeah it's been um, yeah just really helpful and really uh, supportive in a way as well so. Uh, been uh, pretty lucky and it's pretty imp- impressive person. It seems to me you don't need a manager because you're, <laughs> you're doing it all very well. There's one thing,
0: though, whenever it comes to talking about money and trying to screw that last whatever it is out of a team, out of a sponsor, good cop, bad cop, right? The, you want to be the good cop. Right? You exactly. need a guy to go in and be the bad cop. Who does that? Myself. You
1: still have to do. That. Yeah. <laughs> so no, but it's it's great life experience as well because um, yeah, you know I, I, I learn a lot of things from from these kind of situations and uh, of course sometimes it's a bit difficult because my position is is a dr- driver position and it's to focus on the on the track and um, and you know just to, to to drive fast and then after the manager should do everything for yourself but I need to I have sort of. Boss uh, status and it's um, I will say some people will say it's not ideal, some others uh, will say it's better because they have a straight link with the people and my bosses in a way. So, you know, if, if Helmut uh, is not happy or wants to tell me something, he tells it to me straight away. And in the other way, um, yeah, I'm really straightforward with him now as well. But I think I'm quite a, a fair guy, objective as well. Um, And and in a way, I'm pretty sure he liked it as well, that there there have never been any sort of uh, people in between us and things have always been really clear um, between us. So that's the way it is. Um, Of course, it's not easy when you need to start talking about figures. But uh, yeah, the best thing I can do is just to, to, to show my potential on track and then Things get uh, easier uh, to manage uh, off track.
0: Well, uh, Gerhard Berger, he never had a manager, and he always says he probably made... earn more money. Like yeah, exactly, he's never going to give any of it away. <laughs> well, Pierre, thank you for your time. It's been fabulous to catch up yeah. and just to learn some of your story. It's an amazing story. Uh, really, thanks, to you as well. and um, great chat. Good luck with it all. Thank and you very we'll much. Catch up
1: again soon. Thanks. Cheers.
0: Esteban Ocon, Honda, the Japanese way. There were so many little gems in that chat, but there was undoubtedly a deep-rooted sadness linked to the breakdown of his childhood friendship with Ocon that bugs him to this day. On a more positive note, Pierre's understanding of Japanese work ethic will stand him in good stead next year when Red Bull link up with Honda. It'll be fascinating to see what he can achieve. A big thanks to you, Pierre, for your time. Well, that's it for another week, but we'll be back in just seven sleeps with another F1 superstar. In the meantime, please subscribe to Beyond the Grid if you haven't already. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favourite podcast app. And I love your feedback. Please feel free to drop me a line using the hashtag F1BeyondTheGrid, and you can tweet me at TomClarksonF1. Sarah Jones did just that last week, telling me that the podcast is ideal Saturday night listening. Saturday night fever, Sarah. Well... Where and when you listen to the show, the team here and I would love to hear the most surreal setup. Beyond the Grid is produced by F1 in association with AudioBoom. Until next time, keep it flat out.